0: Happy Sabbath again. We are delighted that you have decided to connect with us as we commence a series of camp meeting Sabbaths focused on the book of Revelation. We are so enthralled for what has happened yesterday and what is going to happen in our main worship service as well as some conversations this afternoon. If you've made plans or if you are in the Loma Linda area it be perfect for you to invite someone to our camp meeting. But here, during our time together, we are continuing our study on the book of Ephesians. Pastor Joey, as you know, is out this week. He had a birthday, and so join me in wishing him a happy birthday through your comments. Or if you want to shoot him an email telling him how much you value what he is doing, I'm going to give you his email o-o-h at l-o-u-c dot o-r-g as always you can send me some messages or questions or comments Mendez at l-o-u-c dot o-r-g we're gonna get into the word but before we do that we're gonna do what we always do which is pray so invite you to pray with me god we want to thank you so much for your blessings for your care over us we want to thank you for this camp meeting season. We want to thank you for the warmth of August, and we also would thank you for our plans as uh, things start gearing up and we start thinking about a new academic year. We we just would pray that you be with students who are beginning to start to gearing up for school. And Father, as we enjoy the last weeks of summer, we would just pray that your presence become palpable in our midst. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I don't have Joey with you, but I have a co-host that I happen to know fairly well, (laughs) Pastor Linda. Um, Her claim to fame is that she is married to yours truly, uh, but really her (laughs) claim to fame is that she is leading uh, some amazing things. Going on in our UREACH ministry. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to check them out, check them out on their website. Lynn, what is the website for UREACH?
1: UREACHLLUC.com.
0: UREACHLLUC.com. They are desperately needing volunteers as, as you've been hearing throughout the announcements, both uh, this week and in weeks prior. Uh, there's opportunities to volunteer in Meals on Wheels, Transit, uh, our Excel program that is gearing up, which is an amazing uh, one-on-one tutoring opportunity, and uh, any other uh, volunteer opportunities that you might have. We
1: need volunteers always in all of our ministries, our Excel in particular. We start recruiting this Sabbath here at church in our camp meeting, and then we always would love volunteers for our homeless ministries as well. So. If you're interested, go to our website, sign up, and we would love to have you serve.
0: And uh, if you're in our community today, I know some of you are watching us before you gear up to come to church for fourth service. Uh, Our new Excel director, director Gwen, is going to be uh, at the pop-up. So say hi to Gwen, welcome her to the team. She's brand new. Show her that warmth uh, that is our church that can only be matched by the warmth of today where we are, we're melting literally (laughs) as it's a little over a hundred degrees here in Lomalee. Say hi to Gwen.
1: Hi Gwen, we're so excited (laughs) to have you on the team. Gwen is a retired teacher. We're just really excited about what she's going to bring to our tutoring program. So yes, as Miguel said, stop by, welcome her. Um, and make her feel uh, loved.
0: Yeah, I just personally am so delighted. I was telling our congregation last week as we were closing up our remedial series how amazing it is to just do ministry with you. Mm -hmm. Um, We just got back from this trip uh, and it's just been really wonderful to get to see that part of your life uh, because we we don't always get to collaborate. Uh, I'm here and then you're... All the way on the other side of the sidewalk, so it's <laughs> it's just really good to have you, as I said off camera, in my little space uh, of in my little sphere of influence. So welcome, welcome. Thank we you. We hope we we are gonna treat you well. Um, you've been talking to me about my skin that is peeling. I'm glad that Joey is not here because he's a vegetarian, but if you get hungry at any point during our time together, there is some Miguel jerky.
1: I think uh, I might go vegetarian today after that. (laughs) Well, there you go.
0: Um, We're always trying to get people to connect with a healthier lifestyle. So Linda, we are talking about uh, the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is kind of Paul's, I for me, Ephesians is so many things. Um, mm. It's Paul's, I think, magnum opus on Christology. Um, it, it, because it, he mixes and matches Christology with ecclesiology. So the work mm. of Jesus is intimately linked with the work of the church. And you have some of that beginning to appear and be teased out in uh, the section that we're going to study today. As you know, um, the lesson has been dealing with Ephesians, but today in particular, we're dealing with this idea of horizontal justification. and We'll we'll delve into what that uh, term means. Uh, In order to do that, we probably ought to begin by opening our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Um, I love how he begins this section in verse 11. He says therefore and I don't know if you remember uh, your intermediate Greek uh, but this <laughs> idea of therefore Linda copied off me throughout Greek um, so
1: not true
0: <laughs> So she began he begins here with this therefore which as you know as you might have, reminded me when we were taking tests, it is this uh, Greek conjunction gar, and this means that everything that is to follow uh, in verses 11 through 22 is going to be connected to that which, that argument that Paul is trying to make at the beginning of chapter 2. And the beginning of chapter 2, Paul's argument is simply, uh, we are made alive in Christ. And he is now going to talk a little bit about the ramifications of being made alive in Christ. And before we get into specifics, I think the primary thesis that he's going to be making through these 11 verses is that because we are made alive in Christ, all these barriers that we had, all these divisions that we created are going to crumble. And so that is... uh, why I think Dr. McKnight has said in this uh, lesson, that it is kind of a horizontal justification. It is the way that we are made right with one another. So Christ's death impacts us, not only in the way we see ourselves vis-a-vis God, but in the way we see ourselves when it comes to, to one another.
1: Out. That's great, yeah. I As I was preparing for today, um, I. Yeah, I went over the verses and I just thought it's amazing what he's doing in this chapter where he's kind of trying to tell the church, listen, I know that this is how things have been done. Right. And the word that you use, but now, therefore, remember that while all these laws and all these traditions that we've kept are helpful, that is not what unites us to mm. each other or to God. What unites us to each other is, you know, the blood of Christ. Mm. He unites us. And how we go about showing that with one another is what matters. Mm. And so, um, obviously, for what I do, to me, that's very important. Because, yes, church matters. And it's important. And it's great for relationships. But how we apply that Mm. to each other and to those outside of our church walls matters. And so... I was excited to be able to um,
0: read this. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why I, I asked you to be on today, uh, because what while I, you know, I know you as, as my spouse and uh, the mother of our children, and I, I know you in that arena, I have, just have a deep respect for you as it pertains to ministry, because it seems like your whole philosophy of ministry and the team's philosophy of ministry that that you that you lead is trying to find ways in which those barriers that we we somehow have constructed whether knowingly or unknowingly are being torn down and i love how intentional both paul and you as uh, as leading our Mm -hmm. outreach ministry are even in the language that is used so notice Paul starts by talking about them as you who are Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcised. And so these are really loaded words that people would have used in order to divide and to create a breach, a separation between those who are circumcised and those who are not circumcised. And I think that language is really loaded. So for example, the way that you refer to the people whom you serve, um, Whereas they're usually known as homeless or uh, people, uh, uh, people that are in poverty or addicts or whatever other label you want to use in order to create some separation, uh, I've noticed that in your ministry you all you all are very careful with the language that you use, and so you'll try to use uh, words like unhoused or clients, which is one of my favorites, the way you refer uh, to these people that whom you serve, uh, because that kind of changes the dynamic, it, it breaks down this linguistic barrier that sometimes I think what we have to, to separate us.
1: Yeah, no, I, um, that was, um, you know, the very first thing that it says by birth and called uncircumcised and by those who call themselves the circumcision, um, it is a reminder of what we often do in church, right? The baptized, the not baptized, the mm-hmm. Adventist, the not Adventist. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, for what we do at UReach, we have to, I think in order to serve well, to love well, we have to not have those labels. Mm. We do have to be able to see people as equal and meet them at their need. And so one of the things that we've, like you said, been really careful about is to remind ourselves that we are there to serve them. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not there to make ourselves feel better about what we're doing Mm -hmm. or to say, we're giving you a service. You need to be thankful. You are our client and we're going to serve you as best as we can. And we simply believe that that's the best way that we can represent Christ. Um, And how we love one another is how we can represent Christ. And I think, you know, that's how you destroy, Barriers Mm. and how you really can
0: profess God's love. Yeah, and people might be thinking or might be saying well That works for what Linda does, but what about what we do in church? Um, And I think even as you're as you're thinking about the time that we live in right we live in a really really structured society where these divisions are really really Becoming more and more noticeable, you're either a Democrat or you're a, or you're a Republican. You're either a liberal or you're a conservative. You're either pro-choice or you're pro-life. You are um, pro-death penalty or against the death. But th- there's all these female pro-gun, or male. female or male, um, rich or poor. There's all these labels that we've that we've kind of created mm-hmm. in order to define the group that is with us and the other. And one of the things that happens when you start seeing those people who who are not part of the labels that that you're comfortable with, once you see them as the other, it's really easy to dehumanize them. Mm -hmm. And so I love that Paul starts talking to to Gentiles by saying, listen, you who are formally uncircumcised, who were outside of God's grace, have now by virtue of jesus's death become part of the chosen people now the question that i had and and the vision that i had as paul is writing this was well but but the jews had all the power in the church at this time and then i remember that scholars tell us that perhaps paul is reading is writing this after 70 a.d and we know what happened in 70 a.d right it's the destruction of the temple it is a devastating time for Jews because they're having to figure and recast their identity in terms of something else. And so as Christian Gentiles are becoming the majority in the church, it would be very easy for them to turn around and now start excluding and dehumanizing uh, the Jews as others. Um, And so these labels that we create both in church and in society are not new. There's something that's been part and parcel of human, uh, life uh, s- since at least uh, the beginning of the Christian movement.
1: It is, in a strange way, somewhat comforting to to see that the church has had some of these problems from the very beginning. Some of the problems that we experience now, right, mm. where the young want the church a certain way, the old want the church a certain mm. way, you know, the conservatives want them the um and it's somewhat comforting to know that it's been happening all along and somehow we have found Mm. a way forward. Um, And that there is a reminder, right? It says, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Mm. I think it's important to remember, we can have differences within our church, but we can't allow them to create divisions Mm. between us Um, there has to be um, a sense of understanding and respect and of love I think that as long as we can operate from a place in our church that comes from that then all these walls and Mm. all these things that we create for ourselves can kind of be done away with
0: Mm. yeah that is I I love that you that you took us to verse 14 because i think the premise is is that is exactly what you were hinting at and that is you can have differences those differences don't need to divide you and the question is well practically how do we how do we solve that equation how do we allow for differences that are not divisive and i think Mm. paul starts 11 through 13 by giving you kind of the picture of how you implement this. Remember, Ephesians is about ecclesiology. How do you implement diversity in a church without allowing that diversity or those differences to divide? And I think the way that he's suggesting we move forward is by casting faith in the broadest terms available. Mm -hmm. So instead of usually the way that faith conversations work, is that you start by focusing on the differences. So the way that you start a conversation with somebody uh, from, let's say, a different church or a different faith system is you start by saying, well, this is how we are different than you. So Adventists are different than uh, Catholics in these very distinct ways. Paul doesn't start with that. Mm -hmm. Paul starts by saying the way that we allow for differences without division is we begin with a common consensus and for Paul the common consensus is Christ's blood has bought you and so because you're bought with Christ's blood then you see the other as inherently valuable and so you begin to understand those differences from that spice of commonality.
1: One of the things that I really um, enjoyed that you did while we were in Kenya um, was every night you had worship for us. And our group was so mixed. We had people that had been raised in the church. We had people that had left the church and now are trying to find their way back. And we have we had people that um, work for the university or come to the university, but don't really know much about Adventism or have been exposed to it. And one of the things that I really appreciated was that the very first day we had worship, you said, pick a journey partner and together you guys are going to journey through this mission trip. Um, you guys are going to pray together, share experiences together on where you are on your walks of life. And I think that just brought a lot of those barriers down because at the end of the trip, I was talking to, uh, one of the young girls that went and she said, I was very nervous coming to this mission trip because, I didn't know, um, I don't know much about the Seventh-day Adventist church. So spiritually, I didn't know if I was going to fit in with you guys. And she said, you guys made the journey so welcoming. And I felt like at the end of the trip, not only did I understand your church more, but I want to have a closer relationship Mm -hmm. with Christ. And it was because you never said, this is what we believe as a church. This is what we... It was just share with each other your journey with Christ, where you are in life, where do you want God to take you, where do you want, and that opened doors for conversation. And I, I think, like you said, this is what he's calling us to do. He's saying in Christ, by his blood, there's an even plane that now has been created. Mm. And that is the starting point for all
0: of us. And then some of these barriers, right, that we, that we have or that we cling to, are barriers that are spoken and then some of these barriers are unspoken and so back to this idea that our language that we need to be careful with the language we utilize is sometimes as adventists we have language that while well-intentioned creates barriers Mm -hmm. i was thinking about what paul means in a practical term when he says, for this, this verse that you just read, for he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And that can be read several ways. Um, so for example, if you were a Jew and you were interacting or engaging with Gentiles, you had a very clear role for them to play within the economy of God's redemptive work. So the idea for Jews when it came to Gentiles was you could, as a Gentile, merit some of God's favor if you converted uh, to Judaism, mm-hmm. you came and you adopted Judaism. And even if you did that, even if you were curious about this God of the Jews, there was, um, there was still a barrier that was very clear between you and the chosen people. Um, if you remember a few years ago, we got a chance uh, to go to Turkey. And within uh, one of the museums there is a little uh, stone that has a a sentence in it or a sign in it from uh, the temple in uh, the first century. And if you remember, uh, the part of that temple that was so moving is it said, uh, it separated. It was a sign that they used to divide uh, the court of the Gentiles from from the inner court where the Jews could worship, and even within there, there was a court for women as well. Um, but that fra- that that sign there was 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 there to remind you: any foreigner is not welcome beyond this point. Mm-hmm. And so that is one of the barriers that Jesus that Jesus breaks down these these barriers. And we may not have a literal sign that we p- place on our churches that say. Any foreigner is not um, welcome here. But sometimes, you know, by the way we dress, uh, by, the, by kind of this adventist language that, that we choose to utilize sometimes, by some of our traditions and customs, you were talking about tradition. Tradition is really beautiful and helpful until it's not. Mm-hmm. And so um, these, I think, is, is these barriers that are well-intentioned perhaps, but are not ultimately helpful um, is something that Paul is that Paul is trying to deconstruct
1: No I agree and as as you were saying I talking I kept thinking usually all of the barriers that we create are well-intentioned mm. right I don't think anybody sets out to say we are going to create these laws or these traditions within our church to exclude mm. or to we we sometimes th- think, practically right like we should create a mother's room so that mothers Mm. can go into this room and you know be separate Mm. or the child won't disrupt the sermon but a lot of it is then what happens to the mother and in these rooms are we really being fulfilled spiritually we're coming to Mm -hmm. church you know are we really teaching our children to um that the, the church is theirs um that we are coming to worship as a family together. Um, and again, we don't, we don't create these traditions with ill intent, but somewhere along the lines we've created where you're going to be over here. Children are going to be separate from our church service Mm. and the rest of the church is going to operate this way. And then we have kids that grow up and don't know how to be in church, don't want to be in church. Um, and there has to be a way where we can figure out these barriers without being exclusive.
0: Because it's well, you're right, it's well-intentioned. I mean, we've been a pastor, we've been a pastoral team here for nine years. Before that, we did ministry in a church that was beautiful. It also had a mother's room. Um, and I think every church that we've been <laughs> in has had a mother's room. And I love mother's room. It's a great space if, if your child is restless. But the message sometimes that we that we convey without wanting to convey it, is that the cry of a child, or uh, the laugh of a child, or you know the tears of a child, are not something that is welcome within our corporate experience of worship, and so what that does is it it makes parents when their children are crying very nervous, um, and so it immediately kind of separates them from this experience of corporate worship whereas it seems like in Jesus's ministry it was come one come all uh, children crying children uh, lame people blind people leper people I mean think about what it meant to be a leper in that you had to go and have a bell and kind of yell unclean unclean so that and that that kind of Mix of cacophony, that cacophony of sounds was present and prevalent throughout Jesus's ministry. You could tell that Jesus was coming, because you heard unclean, unclean, and babies crying. And so sometimes, I, I when I'm uh, when when I get to to lead our congregation in worship, I remind uh, our team here that of the words that one of my pastors, Eugene Peterson, uh, writes in one of his books that he loved. To hear the cry, the babies crying in his congregation, because at least that reminded him that his congregation was alive.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I always, you know, from the beginning when we had our children, one of the things um, as a pastor's kid and then as a pastor's wife and then as a pastor, when we had our children, one of the things that I was um, very, was that, right? To have them within the church so that we could worship together. Mm. And I, as you know, Micah and and Kai, as pastor kids, I also wanted them to feel like church wasn't something that you did, but that together Mm. we all did and that they could take pride in seeing what was happening in our church. And I think that's made a big difference in how they view the church today. it was for me as a mother, a very proud moment, um, in Kenya, just watching Micah, who's older and understands a bit more sitting with the children and and helping them with their VBS crafts and playing with them and just having this sense of, you know, we come from such different walks of life, but we are all trying to seek the same Mm -hmm. thing. And we all just want to be loved. We all want to, um, have Christ love us. We all want this, this acceptance. And I think that has to do with what the church has nurtured in him. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think it's because some of these barriers, especially here in our church, he hasn't had those barriers. He has been made to feel as part of this church family.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I completely concur. Oh, I am just so grateful. Uh, to to our community here in Loma Linda because they're just, they've been amazing. Uh, We've now, together with this community, seen two of our boys Mm -hmm. uh, grow up. Very different temperaments. Um, Our youngest will run up and down the stairs and we'll, uh, sometimes I, I, you know, I kind of catch my breath and I'm like, oh man, um, what are they thinking? Because <laughs> my kid will be running up and down, you know, our, our kid will be running up and down the platform or in the front. And nobody, both on our staff or, on, or at our church, has ever uh, looked at us or come and talked to us and said, hey, what about reverence in the house of God, which we understand reverence is a big thing. But what we've gotten time and time again from both uh, the pastors that we serve here with and you, as a congregation, is we just love to see your children in church, mm-hmm. and so that that to me again has just has just I think developed in me this this resilience, and I think this recognition that barriers, like you said, are often created with the best of intentions, but mm-hmm. uh, when when the enforcing of those barriers is draconian, um, where you say, well, you have to be out there because you're different, Uh, rather than we have created the space for you if you're comfortable in it, but if you're not comfortable in it, we love uh, to allow you the freedom to move around and find out what space works for you. That to me has been such a blessing. Uh, We see it not only with our kids, but we see it with kind of people uh, that you've, you've done music and have led Uh, praise and worship in many places for as long as I've known you. And I think that's one of the things that we talk a lot about our church, that these barriers are not just generational, they're stylistic too. Some of us like high church, some of Mm -hmm. us like church a little more relaxed. And I think it's such a blessing to be in a community where we say both those expressions of worship are equally valid.
1: Absolutely, I mean, again, just not just within my kids, but for me, you know, um, that I, I'm a, a certain age demographic, but I've been welcomed by Anthem, which is a younger demographic Mm -hmm. to be able to worship and praise with them. And for me, that's been a blessing. You know, they've invited Micah, our church, our pastor, Adriana, and, um, the media department has really been inclusive in, in the dramas and the music with Micah. And, all that makes such a difference in how our children are Mm. viewing the church and how they're growing up seeing, you know, they don't have a lot of these um, hangups or a lot of these ideologies that maybe you and I grew Mm. up that um, noticing or seeing, they just know that church is a place where they come, where they're loved, and where they get to share Jesus with their friends and other families. And I think for me as a parent, as a pastor, that is such, it gives me pride to be able to come to church every Sabbath, knowing that my children are going to find this church uh, to be a place of security and of love. And, And this is what Paul's trying to tell them, like, hey, listen, this is what we need to do this is what the church needs to be now that Christ has bought us all with, with his blood.
0: Mm. And so, yeah. You know. well, I think, And I think that's why, and we're speaking, I, I know a lot about our experience here at La Melinda, and we recognize that every church experience is different. So we, we do not mean uh, to be dogmatic about saying, well, this is the way we're doing it here at La Melinda, and it has to work for you wherever you are. But I think the principles are the same. Mm-hmm. I think when you start by focusing on the commonality, which is what we talked about in the first uh, first t- part of our time here together. I think when you do that, when you, fo- when you start by focusing on the commonality that is Christ, the differences, you, you have a greater bandwidth for difference. Uh, when you start with the differences, the immediate reaction that you're going to get from somebody is, well, if you're self-selecting in this way, then my response is, I'm going to find another way to self-select. Uh, I was talking a little bit about this idea of how uh, the Jews might have read this, this, this idea of Jesus has destroyed the barrier, and we talked about this literal barrier that was in the temple, but the the Gentiles had a barrier too. So in Greek and Roman thought, you had this very clear barrier, right, between what we've talked about a little bit—the realm of ideas or the realm of forms, the immaterial realm—and then the realm of flesh or, or or the material realm. And for for Greek and Roman thought, that was that was a really big deal. And so some of the some of the Greeks would spend so much time in in their thinking processes mm-hmm. uh, that they that they began to either um, resort to extreme asceticism or extreme licentiousness. And what Paul is saying is the Jesus event not only destroys these um, very physical uh, realities that have to do with where you're born or your gender or your race, but it also destroys these ideological barriers. And so I love the fact and I think that one of the ways that we can do this is we need to push ourselves in what our comf- our theological comfort zone is because obviously there's going to be very few churches that divide on the base of ethnicity or of gender right we thankfully it looks like we're at least the church here in America is moving beyond that but that other notion the the idea that we self select on the terms of uh, on the basis of ideology i think that is still very present where if you happen to think certain things about scripture or about Adventism, then you belong to one group and you have nothing or you, you have virtually no conversation uh, with people that are on the other spectrum. And I think it does you good and it's healthy for you to engage every single ideological uh, idea uh, within, within reason. Uh, just like Paul is calling uh, the uh, the church to do here. The, the barrier then that Jesus destroyed is not just gender, it's not just ethnicity, it also has to do with our ide- ideologies. Uh, so we love groups here uh, like our Admin Hope group, uh, deeply spiritual, deeply committed young men and women who come uh, to Loma Linda and are trying to find ways to meaningfully serve. And then you have Anthem, That is doing the exact same thing um it's just from a little different perspective and when you actually listen and you engage with them you grow and you're fed immensely by both of those expressions
1: absolutely i mean i think a key thing that you mentioned was when we start from our commonalities rather than our differences we can achieve much more Mm. right um But that is not usually how we start um our bible whenever we we talk about the bible or religion we usually talk about the things that people differ in well you believe this but Mm -hmm. this is really what the bible's calling us to do Mm -hmm. and um i mean you and i have had many discussions right you and i differ a lot in how we see a lot of things but we've been able to get to a place where I don't have to agree with what you believe. You don't have to agree with what I believe, but we can come to a place where we can grow Mm -hmm. from each other in understanding or saying, okay, I see where you're coming from. I still don't,
0: don't agree, don't
1: agree, but I understand now. Mm -hmm. And I think at least in my personal spiritual walk, it's allowed me to become more open to different people um, from different, different backgrounds it's allowed me to be a lot more open for what I do now in Mm -hmm. my ministry to be able to say you know because a lot of when I first started doing my job I'd I'd ask myself well why did they end up in this place did they choose to do this and if they chose to do that should we you know when you go through these and in the end none of those questions matter Um, what matters is the outcome Mm. and the outcome is Christ has called me to serve, and that is what I will do. Mm. Um, And it's just opened me up to be able to focus less on the differences and more on what unites us.
0: And if we remember, and we're gonna go back to this again and again and again, both today and in future lessons, if the purpose of Ephesians is ecclesiology, then then the measure of how well we are doing as a church has to do with comparing our comparing our tolerance and our bandwidth for differences, with the tolerance and the bandwidth for differences that you have outside of the church, and I find I find that really really distressing, um, because Lo Melinda is the faith community that we're embedded in. Um, but if you look at Advent, at the Adventist church in more broader terms, I don't know if our bandwidth for to- and our tolerance for differences is where it needs to be. And I'll give you just one example of this. So chances are, if you consume news out there, if you look at uh, news, if you, if, you, if you go to Fox News or Breitbart for your news, chances are you're going to have nothing to do with CNN or MSNBC. <laughs> That's, or Huffington Post, for, for the really, really left-wingers out there. Um, and so you consume, you live in this, in this kind of enclosure that where, that, is crea- that is created uh, and that ultimately starts sounding a lot like an echo chamber because everybody agrees with you. I think within the church publications, it's very similar. If you go on Fulcrum Seven, chances are you're not going to read Adventist <laughs> today. Yes, I'm mentioning you because I read you, Adventist Today or Spectrum. Yeah. And what I find in these in these comment sections, and I'd invite uh, any of you to look out there in the comment sections of both of all of these uh, both church and non-church uh, news uh, agencies is the comments are just so divisive and so destructive. Mm -hmm. And I understand that when it comes from places like Fox Fox News or MSNBC, I don't get it when it comes from our own church, because whether you're very conservative and love Fulcrum Seven, and I read some of the stuff uh, there and I don't agree with all of it, but there's some stuff that kind of has pushed me to think they i know that these are christian people that are committed to the same christ that the editors of spectrum and adventist today whom i know are committed to and so i think that's why paul is saying look you are given to the ministry of reconciliation in one body he says in verse 16 reconcile both of them to the cross mm-hmm. ultimately it doesn't matter uh, these these minute differences, and I know that for for some of us those differences are so great, but he's saying that doesn't matter when it's looked at in the light of the Christ cross. So I think as a church, our primary driving force ought to be how do we engage thoughtfully in this ministry of reconciliation?
1: Yeah, the end of that b- verse right, says, By which he put to death their hostility. Mm. You know, hostility is such a great thing. It doesn't open anybody up to change mm. or to be heard. When you approach somebody with a hostile um, attitude with a hostile heart, uh, it it won't open anybody mm. to actually hear what you're trying to mm-hmm. say. Um, you know, one of the things that I remember, My therapist told me early on when we were married and I would say, but he doesn't listen. I just don't, you know, and, and she said, Linda, you have to decide, do you want to be right or do you want to be loved? Because you won't be able to do both always. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in order to be heard, we just have to love. Mm. And sometimes if we want to, things are really important to us, we still have to approach those in love because we won't be heard if we approach people in hostility. Mm. And I understand that sometimes we're so passionate and we believe so greatly in in our mission and in our cause. I mean, if I could talk to anybody about how important outreach is and why the gospel is really calling us to that. I mean, I would do that every day, but I realize that's not everybody's cup of tea. Mm -hmm. And so, and I'm okay with that, you know, because We have it, we do it. We have a group of people that believe in it and, and we do it. And if that's not your cup of tea, that's great. You will find another cup of tea, but we can all sit around the table and drink tea together. Mm. It'll
0: just be in different flavors. Mm, It'll just be different tea. And, and that I think, because what I find is not only is there hostility, there is kind of this paternalism, this theological paternalism from both sides of the aisle, like, the conservatives will accuse those who are more progressives in our, progressive in our church of not taking scripture seriously. And the pro- progressive sometimes will, will accuse the conservative of not being theologically nuanced or sophisticated. And so both uh, both sides come at it with this theological paternalism that kind of is all about trying to create or cast themselves as superior, as the voice of authority. Mm-hmm and in this is such a great such a great speech for ecclesiology because paul will say he came to preach mm-hmm. peace peace to who to those who were far away and those who were near so in essence paul is saying it doesn't matter who was right or who was wrong jesus came to preach this really simple message to both of you and that message is peace
1: yeah i i think that's a beautiful way that he ends this bit of of his conversation with them that in the end the one the one word here is peace right mm-hmm. whether you're far whether you're near peace through him we both have access to the father by one spirit if mm. we come to each other in peace mm. if we seek each other in love and in peace if we seek him in peace, um, what we could accomplish, you know, um, I think it, it could change our church. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying give away to what you believe or just, you know, have this washed out gospel. Uh, I think we can stand true to what we believe and what the call co- the Bible is calling us to do. But I think that word is key. If we come to that in peace,
0: mm. yeah. Yeah, that re- it reminds me a little bit about something that Ma- Mother Teresa wrote when um, when she was being asked, "Well, how is it that you've that you've done ministry um, in Calcutta?" I, I really for the past couple of months have just been delving into into her life because for me it's a it's a real example of what it means to pursue this Christ who is relentless. And so she said, um, "The best thing that I do, particularly." As I serve in a country that is predominantly non-Christian, is I show up in silence. Uh, The best things that that Christian, the best thing she she believed that a Christian could do, is to show up and listen. Mm. And if the Christian couldn't do that basic thing, then then that then that Christian should probably stay silent. In other words, if you didn't have the capacity to actually listen thoughtfully. Not argumentatively, but as you're saying in peace to someone else's point of view, then you probably shouldn't share your particular point of view. And I think that is that's so powerful because for me, at least, I love to speak. I love to speak and to show uh, that I am right and how much I know and how much I've read. But it seems like the gospel that Paul is pointing us towards, the gospel that, as he will say in this final part of 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 this passage, the gospel that is built on the true cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ, is a gospel that understands that showing up in peace and love begins with listening. Mm -hmm. So you focus on commonality and then you, as you, I think so beautifully said, you show up with the spirit of peace and love and that spirit is manifested in your capacity to listen.
1: Absolutely. I 100% agree.
0: Okay. Well, see, (laughs) she... That, that you can count this because this might be one of the few times ever where she 100% agrees with you. So I think uh, I'd like to just ask and, and end our time here together. Uh, you have, I think more than anyone else on our staff, uh, you challenge the way I, um, I view the gospel. Because uh, shocking as I know it is for most of you, I live very much in this realm of ideas and this this realm of the <laughs> inner world, and uh, and you don't. You live in this in this very practical world where your hands are, get messy and dirty. Um, what does it look to build a uh, a foundation on the cornerstone for Linda Mendez as she as she leads? Uh, you reach ministries
1: wow that's a (laughs) how does it look i mean it's not always easy i can say that for sure sometimes you feel you're definitely swimming against the current but um every so often you have these moments where you help one person or you see the smile you know in, in, in one person and you think this is why, Mm. this is why I do what I do, why I swim against the current, why a lot of people sometimes don't understand why I'm so passionate about the people that I serve and the people that I serve with. And so I think for me, what it, it looks like for our team, what it looks like is just to be able to take what God calls us to do what we see reflected in Jesus, that he came to serve, to feed, and to die for those that he loved. And so for me, I think that's what it looks like going forward. How can I continue to feed, to serve, and to allow myself to die in the pieces that sometimes keep me from doing Mm. more? And, you know, to say, I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to do what I need to do whether it be here, whether it be there, whether it be anywhere. Um I I'm at peace mm. knowing that God is going to use us to to serve.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's been just so good to to share uh, again ministry with you. We we don't talk about about ministry. It's kind of the unspoken rule in our house um but as a colleague not just as my spouse but as a colleague it's just been been amazing to hear your stories i just want to thank you so much not only for what you bring to our team um but for the chance that that you give that you gave me at least to to give a little get a little glimpse of what you all do um i was just so blessed uh by your team um, by some of our church members who because that kind of is their draw they're really drawn to service i don't naturally interact with. And it's just so beautiful to to say that Loma Linda University Church, built on Christ the Cornerstone, has spaces for, for those people that like to get their hands dirty in the muck and mire of the world, as well as those people who like to get their hands on beautiful intr- instruments in the orchestra, as mm-hmm. well as people who got, like to get their hands on the lightest theological book or the latest book <laughs> on preaching, uh, it's just so wonderful that we that we have created in cast such a broad broad umbrella, and I'm I'm just so blessed that I that I got to get a glimpse of of a little bit of what you do.
1: Well, I was blessed that you got to come on this trip with us, and that we got to, you know, do ministry outside of this area. And that, you know, together as as a family, as a a UREACH team, we were, what our slogan is here at UREACH at our church is to be doers of the word, you know, in different capacities. You do it every Sabbath. I mean, you do this, and I don't know how I wouldn't be able to do it every Sabbath. I would rather be out there cleaning the showers and the bathrooms and doing what we do, working at the cafe. Um, But... I love that at the end of the day, we come home and sip different flavors different of coffee, but
0: of all tea. in the same...
1: Of, tea. of coffee. Of, yes, tea. Tea. Of we, tea. We
0: drink coffee, don't worry. We, we know you know, <laughs> but yes, of tea.
1: But, you know, we each have our cup of tea, but all within the same house of God.
0: Yeah, that's that's just so powerful. And again, Linda, um, I think what really will stay with you, with me, from our conversation and is... Um, if you can remember anything that we've been sharing with you for this past hour, it probably ought to be this. Uh, doing the, being doers of the Word, uh, me, that is what it takes uh, to be uh, and to practice this idea of horizontal justification, how we get right with each other. We'll simply do what, do what the Word says. And some of us are going to pick Genesis and others of us are <laughs> going to pick the Psalms. But if you're doing what the word says, you'll you'll be you'll be a peacemaker Amen. in a place that deeply needs us. Linda, it's been a pleasure. Can you close us out with a word of prayer?
1: Absolutely, dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much uh, because you laid your life down for us, and as we accept that gift, as we understand it, as we, you know, live it in our lives, I ask that you help us share it with others in the way that we love and the way that we um, can come together and relate to each other. May the one thing that people always notice in us and from us is your love, your sense of acceptance, and your uh, your sense of peace, Lord. Uh, Stay with us as this Sabbath goes on. May we be able to have a blessed Sabbath and family with friends, with our loved ones, God. And thank you so much for this place that you give us to be able to have conversations about you and about each other. And thank you in a particularly way, Lord, that you've given me the opportunity to serve with such a wonderful husband in this church, Lord, to watch him do what he does and to be able to grow spiritually with him is a true blessing. And I thank you for that honor, God. Stay with us and forgive our sins. We ask these things in your name, amen.
0: Amen. Well, join us next week. Joey is back next week. We're gonna sing happy birthday to him. Mm. Um, And thank you again, Linda, for all you do. May God bless you. Go and do likewise. Live well, love well, but above all, be doers of the word.